You're listening to the Glad Tidings Church podcast, available on Podbean and iTunes. I, I hope you know that God has blessed this church with some wonderful people. And all of you are part of that. But uh, I'm, I'm very proud of the team we have here. Not in a humanistic, prideful way. But I'm proud of our God for using them. And um, I hope you let them know much you appreciate them each day. Amen. Amen. The irony is the title of my message today is Pass the Kleenex. going to talk about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 today. Jesus is speaking on a mountainside. The Bible says there were the crowds came, but he called his disciples to him. There are always two groups, their crowds and their disciples. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to follow after him. And so we've been talking about these beatitudes and in Latin, beatitude means blessed, from what I can gather in terms of uh, languages. I'm more familiar with Greek. But when it comes to the word blessed, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the third, or the second beatitude, or the third beatitude today. In the Bible, well, let's go all the way back to our text in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to begin uh, with verse 3, and then we're going to do all of these Beatitudes, and then we'll go to our text today. So let's go to Matthew 5, 3, and here's what the Word of the Lord says. Say it with me. Can you do that? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, For they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now let's go back to Matthew 5, 4, which is our text for today. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They will be comforted. Let's go to the Lord today as we bring this message entitled, Pass the Kleenex. Father... We come to you today. We need you, Jesus. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will move mightily among us. Father, I can't do what needs to be done. Only you can. And so I'm going to trust you because you're our God. And you do the miraculous. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone who loved Jesus with all of our hearts said together, Amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord today.
In the corner of my desk, or on the corner of my desk, there is a box. There's a box of Kleenex. And I have counseled with people over the years many times, and a lot of people, I could tell that they were becoming a little emotional. And they would stare at that box of Kleenex as if to say, I dare not grab one because then the fountain will come. But I have said to individuals, it's okay. That's why that box is there. Tears. We begin life with tears. And life ends with the tears of those who are around us. And in between, there are a lot of tears. Can you say amen to that? In fact, there are a lot of tears. From chick flicks to crocodile tears to great adversity, and to getting caught when you were a kid, tears come. Some of the great songs have been written about tears. Blue eyes crying in the rain. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Roy Orbison crying. Crying in the chapel. Tears in heaven. Don't cry, guns and roses. Cry, 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 Johnny Cash. How many remember that? I don't. I was too young to remember that. <laughs> All right. Tears are necessary. You know, your body produces tears, and from what I have researched, tears are very helpful. They lubricate our eyes, and they flush out the debris. And in fact, it, it's the same somewhat as your blood. It delivers nutrients to your eyes. It's a defense mechanism. There are antibodies and enzymes in your tears. They protect against microorganisms. In fact, uh, there is some who even indicate that it helps to relieve stress. And crying communicates. Uh, either a baby, when a baby cries, they're either hungry or wet or want to be held. Uh, there's a deep pain or hurt in our lives when we cry. Sometimes we cry tears of joy, sometimes tears of pain. I will never forget when I met Jesus as a four-year-old, I, I wept for about 30 minutes. And I remember crying and my father picking me up, putting me on, on my head on my, his shoulder. And I remember weeping for a long period of time as Jesus dealt with me. There is a lot of weeping that takes place in tragedies. And sometimes we need the Kleenex. Today I'm going to talk about the Kleenex in the sense of mourning. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be Comforted. Now let's break it down before we actually get into the message. We talked about the first word. The first word is blessed. And this word is from the Greek word makarios. And it means self-contained joy. Self-contained joy. We find this in Psalm chapter 1 in verse 1. Where it says, blessed is the man who does not walk with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or, or uh, the company of mockers, but his delights in the way of the Lord, and he meditates in the word of God day and night. And 
He is, his leaf does not wither. He is planted by the waters, and he's self-contained. So there is great joy there. We said last week that this referred to the island of Cyprus. All the minerals, all the things that they needed were on that island, all of the fruits, all of the vegetables. So it was self-contained. It was an island of joy, and people had great Joy, and they were happy because they lived on that island. What that simply means is this, is that Jesus has become your satisfaction. He's become your provision. He's become your hope. He's become all of that you need, and he now gives you vision. He now gives you life. He now intercedes for you. He's coming back again, and you have hope against hope. You have peace when no one else has peace. You are on an island with Jesus, and he takes care of you, and everything is good in the presence of God. I mean, you can say amen to that today. Yeah, God's got it. And so we're blessed, makarios. Now let's go to the next word. It says, blessed are those who mourn, who mourn. The Greek word is pentheos, and it means unrestrainable grief for someone greatly loved. Unrestrainable grief for someone greatly loved. And we're not talking about just a few tears here, but this in the Greek is the strongest word for grief, pentheos. And I remember my grandmother, she got a call one Thursday night. We were having as a care group, or we would call them cottage prayer meetings back in the early 70s. And, but we had life group, and we were meeting, and I remember my grandmother got a call that my uncle, who was just 28 years of age, had been hit by a train, and they were not expecting him to live. And this godly woman broke into weeping, and we gathered around grandmama. We begin to pray for her and pray for my uncle. And the Lord took him that night. He was uh, not able to survive that accident. And I can remember the grief from my father as he would think about his brother. And he would weep and he would cry even in the night hours. But this is a deep kind of grief, the mourning that they're talking about. In fact, when Jacob lost Joseph, his son, you remember Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and God would use him and take him to Egypt to help spare that nation. But his father, Jacob, was so concerned about Joseph, and where is Joseph? And they brought him, brought back that coat of many colors that Jacob had given to his son. And so when we think about where, the way that they brought it back, they tore it and they put animal blood on it. And the Bible says that Genesis chapter 37 and verse 31, let's look at that. The Bible says they got Jacob's robe, they slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in blood after they sold their brother. And they took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it, whether to see it's your son's robe. And the Bible says that he recognized it and said, It's my son's robe. Son's robe and some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Now I want to take this next verse because in the days of the Hebrews, in terms of in the times of 
even in Abraham, the early Hebrews, whenever there was a great time of sorrow or a great time of penitence before the Lord or grief, they would actually demonstrate that grief by doing what Jacob did. Jacob, in his grief, because of the loss of his son in his own mind, that he had been somehow devoured and he would never see this son that he loved again. I can picture him now crying out to God. And sometimes you've done this when you've gotten some news. And Jacob said, Oh! And he tore his clothes. He rent them in two. As if to signify that his heart had been torn in half. This is the kind of grief that the Bible is talking about when it mentions mourning, pentheos. The Bible speaks about another great time of mourning. You remember when Jesus was born and Herod wanted all of the children, two and under, to be killed. The Bible mentions in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 5, and then it's echoed again in the Gospel of Matthew. And it talks about Rachel mourning for her children and refusing to be comforted. In fact, the Bible even says in Genesis 37, referring to Jacob, he refused to be comforted as a result of the mourning that he was going through. I can't put these two together. Self-contained joy have those who lament and grieve just like someone who has lost a son? How can that be? Well, the promise says in the, the last part of the verse, and it goes into the word comfort, and it says they will be comforted. And the question I have is, how can they be comforted? We'll talk about that, but the word comfort is the word parakaleo, and it means to bring peace. It means to take a deep breath and to be consoled. I've said many times, God's got that, or God's got this. Say that with me, God's got this. Some of you, this is going to be tested but the comfort comes when there's the realization that God is in control. However, we're consoled and we're encouraged. And so Jesus is saying, blessed are those who mourn. Self-contained joy are those who deeply grieve, for they will be comforted. There will be peace. There will be consolation. There will be encouragement. And there will be the ability to see things differently. Hope will come again. Now what is Jesus really saying? There are two lessons that we can learn from this particular passage of Scripture. And the first lesson is this. We know this. Those who have endured difficulty, they're going to be stronger and mature. Those who have endured difficulty are going to be stronger and mature. One man said, uh, I, I prayed for patience. And then I said, Lord, that's enough patience. I, I'm patient enough now. 
And so when we go through those difficulties, we learn things and God blesses us. And so we're able to handle other situations that come our way. Psalm chapter 4 and verse 1. David went through a difficult time with his son Absalom. Absalom wanted to actually cause a revolt or a coup in the kingdom. And people were going over to support Absalom. And David in Psalm 4.1 says, Answer me when I call to you, God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear me. Can you imagine what it would be for your own son to turn on you and to bring people against you? The, the child that you helped to bring into the world, the child that you fed. Some of you parents know what I'm talking about. Children who have turned on. David is going through this and his son wants to basically take his throne and Absalom is bringing people to his side, and David is going through that mourning, even though he loves his son, but he's asking God to deal with his pain, his hurt, his distress. And David is going through that time. And the Bible also says that in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8, that Jesus, we know that he was God, but yet he was man, and Jesus learned through the things he suffered. How many of you know that Jesus cried? Jesus cried over Jerusalem. Jesus cried over the people. Jesus cried because he lost someone who was dear to him. So Jesus knows what it's like to lose loved ones. Jesus knows what it's like to mourn. You know, that's a good thing because I'm telling you when I go to him in prayer and I can't take it, I'm not talking to some stone wall. I'm talking to a God who's been in my shoes and knows right where I'm walking today. And so therefore, I can come to him, come to him boldly knowing that he knows the way I take. He remembers my frame is dust. I can Going even further, talk about this for a few moments. The Arabs have a saying that all sunshine makes a desert. And there are only things that rain will produce. Lars Story's song is popular. What if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights is what it takes to know you're near? So there are things that happen. We become stronger. We become more mature when we go through difficulty. And so when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted, we can interpret that to say we go through difficult things in life, but yet we've overcome. We're more mature. We can uh, handle those things. And I'm glad for the difficulties that I've gone through. They were not fun. How many of you know difficulties not fun? I, I would not want to go through. I know some people said, oh, to be 16 again. No, thank you. I like where I am right now. Can you say amen to that? You know, and, you know, there are certain things I would probably do differently, but I'm thankful. Man, going through all of those things again, I'm thankful that I've, I've gone through those tests and God has blessed me and I'm thankful for the tough times. You say, Pastor, this is kind of strange. No, I'm thankful for them now because I'm, I'm able to, to see things in a different perspective. I had to learn to trust God. I had to learn that God was my provision. I heard people preach about it and talk about it all my life, but I got to the place where it was real to me. How many of you know it's real today? God will bring you through. You become comforted. This is something that I, I thought was unique. 
This is a, a little phrase, a little ditty by Robert Browning Hamilton. He said, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way, but left me none the wiser for all that she had to say. I walked a mile with, with sorrow and near a word said she. But oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. The book of Romans tells us that good things happen. In the Romans chapter three, Romans chapter uh, five, and verses three through five, he says, "But we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces what? Perseverance. Perseverance produces what? Some you're either going to be a character, or you're going to have character. So it produces character, and character produces what?" Hope. And then the Bible says, and hope doesn't disappoint us or put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So I'm looking at some people and you're going through some mourning right now. And I'm going to tell you, I know it isn't good. I know it hurts. But hang on, hang on, hang on. Hold on to Jesus. He's going to bring you through, and you're going to receive his comfort and grace. You're going to be stronger and mature as a result of it. Now, another thing that Jesus could have mentioned when he was talking about this is the fact that those who have sorrow, number two, will develop compassion and bring comfort to other people. You're going to develop compassion. Compassion is not always something that is just internal. It, it happens when a lot of people go through difficulty themselves. They're able to empathize and actually bring sympathy to people who have gone through those same problems. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4, it talks about the, the Lord. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can do what? We can comfort those in what kind of trouble? any trouble with the comfort we ourselves had received from God. I'm glad that there are people who have gone through what I might be facing, and they can help me and encourage me. And so, listen, whenever you're going through these types of things, God is making you stronger, and God is preparing you for ministry. You're going to help somebody. So, I know you you may say, well, pastor, that's not real encouraging right now. I don't feel like helping anybody. I'm telling you what, you get to that place and you'll see that. And God will bring compassion. There, we just talked about divorce recovery a few moments ago. Uh, and these people who are helping in divorce recovery, they've been through some of this. They know what it's like to go home and weep on their pillow. They know what it's like to have to go through those times of loneliness, those times of hurt, those times of rejection. But you know what? God has turned that around so that they can help people who are going through it now. God has poured into them and they're able to pour into somebody else. You know the enemy thinks he can win, but what you must understand is when the enemy thinks that he's got you down, absolutely not. God is just strengthening you, raising you up so that you can help somebody else. I'm telling you, I know this may sound wrong, but the devil is dumb. I'm telling you that right now. In fact, the Bible even said, if he had known, he would not even crucify the Lord of glory. Sometimes we give omniscience to our enemy, but he does not know everything. I'm telling you that right now. So it's important for us to realize God is developing compassion. 
All of the tragedies that have happened in the earth in the last several weeks, the earthquakes, the hurricanes, it's brought out compassion. It's said that Lord Shaftesbury was a man of compassion, even though he had means and had wealth. There was one day that he saw some of the factory workers and some of the people who were working in the mines. He looked and saw a funeral procession, and it was of a child's funeral procession, and a child had died, and they put this child in a makeshift box, and the box broke open, and the child was laying in the road. And Lord Shaftesbury said, that changed my life. And from that moment on, he began to develop compassion for other people and wanted to minister. And so he felt great pity and began to help those persons. So comfort came. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, I'm glad for these, but this is not the lesson today. I'm glad that we can extract those things from what Jesus has said to us in Matthew chapter 5, but that is not the main purpose of the message today and you can do the study but Jesus is talking about something totally different I want you to understand these are good points but the main lesson hear me now of Jesus words is that what we must be desperately sorrowful for sin hear me sin is a word that has been stricken from the English language. Are you with me today? And people look at that three-letter word as if it's a joke. Original sin. What is that? Sin. Talk shows talk about it and said, I guess we're all a bunch of sinners. <laughs> and they laugh. But Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. And he's talking about their sin, personal sin. And the Bible tells us in Habakkuk, Habakkuk was so desperately sorrowful for the sin of his nation. And he said, how long, Lord, must I call out to you for help? But you don't listen or cry out to you, violence. How many know that's what the cry is today in America? Violence. The threat of violence. The threat of war. North Korea. Violence in other cities. Violence in the world. The, and, Habak and Habakkuk was saying, God, don't you see what's happening here on planet Earth? And he says, I'm crying out to you, God, but nothing's happening. You can read the next verses for yourself. And he says there's injustice, there's rebellion, there's wrongdoing, there's destruction, there's strife, there's conflict. It abounds. God, it is happening everywhere. I know some people might think this is old school, but I'm going to tell you why there's a race problem today. I'm going to tell you why there's a violence problem today. I'm going to tell you why there's a drug problem today. I'm going to tell you why there's a financial problem in a lot of people's lives. I'm going to tell you why there's struggle. I'm telling you why there is lies today. I'm telling you why people are against one another. I'm telling you why there's divisions and fractions today. You might say it's because of this person or that person. No, it's because of original sin and man has turned his back on God and he is reaping the disease of sin that's taking place in his life and in his nation. And I don't say that with glee. 
When we watch the news, our hearts should break. And Jesus is saying, when all these things happen, and people might just shirk it off and say it's not a big deal, but Jesus is saying, there's got to be a change. There's got to be some people who mourn about the situation. People who understand that something deeper is going on. And so what they actually do is they get to the place where they take, they, it's almost like a garment that's being rent. And they're taking this garment and they're saying in their prayer time, God, do you see our nation? Do you see our people? Do you see the tearing apart that's happening in our homes and in our communities? Communities and, and in our churches, God, and the splits and the division, and we say, oh, God, help us to get along. Help us to love one another. Oh, God, please help us. Do you see what's happening, God? There's a tearing up. I'm mourning, and I'm praying, and I'm interceding for my nation. Listen, church, God has not called you to be secluded in a closet. You are salt and light in this earth. I'm telling you, Pastor Ryland, he, he said to the teens, and I was right there with them. I had on my ball cap just like the rest of them. And I said, well, all right, what are we going to do, boss? He said, I'm going to tell you guys something. You're going to work in these booths. And you're going to see a lot of people. And the people that you work beside, they may not know Jesus. But God wants us to be salt and light while we're working here. So you work hard. Don't you be messing around. Don't you be uh, just slacking up. You work hard. And, and you'll be a witness for Jesus. And I'm telling you, in my tent, I know there's this guy and this lady, and they were talking about stuff, and they said, we can't wait to get out of here because we're going to get slammed after it's all over. And, you know, and I see people running by, walking by. And I know what Jesus said when he said, you know what? I, when I look at the people, they're like sheep who don't have a shepherd. They don't really understand. And you know, there are a lot of people who are condemning individuals and putting them down, and they're thumping their Bibles, and they're mad. Listen, we need to get to the place where we're not judging them, but we're praying for them. And we're saying, God, save them. Will you do it, God? Will you do it? They don't know. Well, those people are just terrible. So were you. Some of you are still terrible. You need to straighten up. That didn't cost you anything extra. But when you look at what Jesus is saying, he's saying being desperately sorrow for our sin. Psalm 119, 136. David is streams of tears are flowing because the law is not obeyed. Daniel chapter 9, verses 4 and 6. He is confessing the sins of Jerusalem and saying, Lord, we've been wicked, we've rebelled, we've turned away from your commands and laws. Well, that's a prayer that sinners need to pray. No, it's a prayer the church needs to pray for their nation. Somebody needs to stand in the gap. God's saying, don't be a judge. Don't be condemning. Don't stand up with your high and mighty attitude and your nose in the air. Were it not for grace, where would you be today? And so we need some grace poured out today. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verses 36 and 37. 
The Bible says that when they were preaching, Peter was preaching, and he said, this Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Messiah. He's the one. And the Bible says when people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut. They were torn in half as a result of what was happening in their, in their hearts. And as a result, I know I should find a little tear here. I can't tear it, but you know what I'm talking about, rip. All right, you're with me. Some of you don't have the strength sometimes. But what Jesus is talking about is that there's got to be a cutting to the heart and people begin to see the effects of sin. And I'm telling you, listen, you know what effects of sin are. Listen, when people see the effects of sin, it begins to affect them and their communities and families. When a drunk driver kills a child or kills someone, people have compassion, people have mercy. Listen, it's time for us to get to the root of the problem. And I know a lot of people are saying, Pastor, don't get political. Listen, I just got to say this today. I know that the shootings in Vegas were terrible, but there's shootings that happen all over the world. There's shootings that happen every day, and the people are dying as a result of violence. But I got to tell you something. People that get up in arms about 31,000 people who die as a result of gun uh, uh, shooting a gun, but you realize that 31,000 people die in a year because of, of gun violence, but I also got to tell you this, that every year 1.2 babies are aborted. God forgive us. Well, I didn't expect that in church today. I'm telling you what life is life and every life is precious. And, and you know what? I think every child Every kid in the womb deserves an opportunity to live for Jesus. I could say more, but you might throw me out. All right, we're going to move on. I'm going to tell you something. We have to understand that sin is sin. But the problem is we choose the sins we want to mourn about. But I want to talk about personal sin. Not everybody else's, but yours and mine. And what we do when we're, when we're somehow faced with sin. You know what? We've got to get rid of something called ising, the ising of sin. There's got to be an end to the ising of sin. What does that mean, Pastor? It means this. Minimizing, legitimizing, rationalizing, trivializing, equalizing, unapologizing, victimizing, legalizing, and categorizing sin. And we do that. We minimize sin. How we do it? Oh, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. And we ignore it and believe that it doesn't matter. And you know what? Eventually, you'll become numb to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And your conscience will be seared. We legitimize sin. We do something bad or shady because you believe that good could come from that. I'm not going to tell my wife about this situation. We rationalize. Uh, you were harsh or said something to someone and you said, they deserved it. Or you say, God knows I'm struggling and he just understands this. Or we trivialize it. 
And, and this, I've seen people do this a lot. Oh, I, I was just joking. Or we equalize it. Oh, they did it too, and they are just as bad. Are, are you with me today? You've heard some of these things. Or victimizing. I can't help it. It just happened to me. Or legalizing. Here, everybody does it. I'm going to write a book one day for parents called Excuses Teenagers Make. That way the parent can say, oh, that's excuse number 625. It's already been written. We, we already know what it's about. And categorizing. Their sin was greater than mine. Listen, sin is sin. But we go back to the problem. There's no mourning for sin. So no blessing. No mourning. No blessing. So no remedy. This whole message today is to simply say this. It's time for the people of God to get to the place where we are torn up in prayer and we mourn for our nation. We mourn for our children. I'm telling you, if you'll look in the history of every great revival that has ever happened, there were a group of people who begin to mourn and weep and begin to call on the name of God for their people. I know that there are some people who are saying, well, we're just in neutral. We're in neutral now, and God's got this thing in drive, and we're going to move on forward, and whatever happens, happens. I want to tell you something. As long as the body of Christ is here on earth. We are salt and light, and your prayers matter. Your prayers make a difference. I don't care if they're out in sin, and you might say they're too far gone, but when you begin to mourn and cry in the presence of God, God begins to move, and that's what he's saying today. If you begin to mourn for sin, you begin to mourn for your situation. You begin to mourn for what's happening in your country, and you begin to call on the name of the Lord. Look out. The Holy Spirit hears that cry. And the Holy Spirit begins to move. And the Comforter himself begins to come and to pour out his Spirit. And lives are changed and people are saved. And families are transformed and homes are put back together. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. It's talking about the power of prayer. When you begin to get serious about this thing, instead of saying, well, it's just the way it's going to be. Let me tell you what. God never moved in this Greek word. There's a Greek word for not caring, kesarasara. I don't know if that, you knew that was Greek or not. It really isn't, but that's what a lot of people believe. God never moves with a nonchalant attitude. If you want to stay in mediocrity, mediocrity is what you're going to get. But if you want God to move, I'm telling you, you need to get to the place where you mourn. When's the last time you've been in the presence of God and you just begin to let him break your heart and you begin to let him touch you and do a deep work of the Holy Spirit in your life? I'm telling you, it's time for the church to pass the Kleenex. We have gotten so sophisticated. We have gotten so technologically advanced. We have gotten so scripted. And we have gotten so tough that we're ashamed to cry. We're ashamed to weep. We're ashamed to get on our knees. Would that God's people would get the Kleenex again, get it out, get on their faces before God. I'm telling you, you just might see God move like he's never moved before. 
Well, pastor, he moved way back then. He's done a lot. I don't know if, listen, I'm telling you what, my mother carried Kleenex to church. My daddy had a handkerchief in his pocket. I'm telling, and they used them too. They used them to wave them, but most of the time they were wiping tears. I'm telling you, I believe that a crying church is a blessed church. My Jesus cried. Paul cried over the churches. The prophets cried over a nation that was away from God. Let the church get back to the tears. I'm not ashamed of the box of Kleenex today. I'm telling you, it's time to rinse some garments. It's time to call on the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. The blessing comes when godly sorrow occurs. 2 Corinthians 7.10 not that you're sorry that it happened. I think a lot of people, when sometimes, well, I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way. Or I'm sorry that I, that is not an apology. But when we say, as David did in Psalm 51 and verse 4, get this, get this. Against you, God. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight? So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. I'm telling you, that's why God restored David. If you get to the place and you say, oh, I'm just like everybody else. I'm doing what they do. I, I, I'm just a victim of my circumstances. It, it doesn't really, I don't understand. They're worse than I am. You know, I, I got these things in my life. I had a bad childhood. You know, I know that some of those things may have happened, but it all boils down to this. It's you and God. And where are you with Jesus today? And so godly sorrow, when that occurs, something begins to happen. God begins to work, and this le leads to real repentance. We need it today. Even more, mo even a move of God begins with confession. We need to weep and let tears of repentance fall like Jacob over a lost son. It began with confession. It, it began as God begins to work in our lives, and we need to let him do that. I'm telling you, if Jacob began to weep and mourn over a lost son... How about, why don't we weep and mourn over lost sons and daughters and maybe God will bring them back? It's time for us to call on the name of the Lord. And so, here's, one, here's the good part. Are you ready for the good part now? Those who, this is interesting, those blessed or self-contained joy have those who grieve like those who grieve for the loss of a loved one. For they will be comforted. How are they going to be comforted? The Bible promises. Let's go back to that verse, Matthew 5, 3. We're, no, Matthew 5, 4. Let's go back to that verse. It's probably at the very beginning. But the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, for they what? They will. They will. Not they might, but they will be comforted. That tells me my prayers make a difference. That tells me that compassion makes a difference. That tells me where there's godly sorrow, a difference comes about. And so the Bible says it shall, not might, but shall. So joy is the state of those whose hearts are broken over sin. They find the comfort of God. They find the restoration of God. They find the encouragement of God. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 7. I looked at this verse this morning. And the Bible says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and not kept them. And here's what God says. Here's the good news for those who warn. Return to me 
Come to me, says God, and I will return to you. Do you want God? Do you want Jesus? Do you want his grace? Do you want his blessing? Do you want his tenderness? Do you want his hesed in the Hebrew, which means loving kindness, or agape in the Greek? Do you want God to pour out his spirit? Do you want God to save your sons and daughters? Do you want God to stop the scourge of suicide? Do you want God to stop the flow of drugs into our area? Do you want God to stop the violence in our nation? Do you want God to stop brother against brother and nation against nation? Do you want to have a better relationship with your wife? Uh Uh-oh. Do you want to have a better relationship with your children? Do you want to have a better relationship on your job? Why Why does not the church get to the place where they call on the name of the Lord? They mourn, they pray, they ask, and the Bible says those who do that, they will, they will, they will be comforted. I'm glad for the comfort of the Holy Spirit today because the Bible tells us that the blessing is promised and not only that the comforter himself comes the Holy Spirit is welcome he wants to come and minister in our place today and he wants to console us we need the power of the Holy Spirit how many of you know we need the Spirit of God to move in our land and in our nation in our homes today if you believe that can you just say praise the Lord together We need that today. The Holy Spirit, we need him because he helps us in our weakness. We need him because when the Spirit of the Lord comes, there is liberty. We need him because when the Spirit of God comes, we have a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone. We need him because his love is poured out in our hearts in greater measure. We need the Holy Spirit because when he comes, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us and the anointing recurs. We need him because it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit because we need the fruit of the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit because we need the gifts of the Spirit. We need discernment. We need the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. We need healing and faith. We need rivers of living water to flow. We need strength that we can't have in our own being, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he begins to do what we can't do. The supernatural begins to take root. I know that some of you may be looking at natural eyes and some of you may be a a new person here today and you say, this guy is nuts. Yes, I am. I am crazy over Jesus and I'm glad to know that when I cry out to him, he hears my prayer and things begin to happen and God begins to bring a renewal in his church. I'm going to use this as a handkerchief for a minute. I'm going to close with this. Bible speaks about those who wept. And I just read this today. It says, if we acknowledge that our heroes cried in the word of God, but we're still ashamed to weep in the presence of the Lord, then what does that reveal? If we're not willing to weep and to mourn like David, Jesus, and Paul, What cultural baggage are we bringing to this life? Perhaps our theology of tears is not something we'll fully understand by studying it. Maybe a sound theology of tears is a cried theology. This writer says, my tears are teaching me that when we lose the emotional control, God reveals his power.
My tears are teaching me that those we lead are moved to see his message is still meaningful to us. My tears are teaching me that when we cry, we tell those who cry, it's okay to cry. It's our job to let our very soggy selves reveal that something significant is happening. Maybe we've been uncomfortable with tears, but maybe we should get comfortable with tears or at least get used to being uncomfortable. Pass the Kleenex. Pass it. Here, Jimmy. I know you need one. You cry at the drop of a hat. That's all right. Ruth's not here today. She went to a homecoming. I told her to bring me back a piece of pig picking cake. She uses it. Tears. Tears. Oh, man, there's Ron and Ann. I know Miss Ann has cried many tears. A lot of people don't realize this lady, maybe she's not able to do a lot of things physically, but she weeps in the presence of God. We need to cry. We need to weep. Well, life's about having fun. Yeah, it is. I have a lot of fun. Man, I went football game on Thursday night. You'd have thought I was at a revival meeting. I like to have fun. But I'm not put on this earth just to have fun. Fun to me is seeing people come to Jesus. Seeing my nation healed. Seeing lives put back together. Seeing people of all races and nations embrace one another. I'm telling you, when God began to work and God began to... Listen, the very roots of this movement, white and black and Asian and Filipino, all of the people, they begin to worship God together. And I'm telling you, you got to have a love for people. And we need to get that love once again. And if you're gonna, you can't love people down here, you are not going to be able to love in heaven. I'm sorry I said that, but I just had to tell you that. We need to pray. So here's what we're going to do. I know that some people might not like this. They say this silly. And here's what we're going to do. There is a box of Kleenex on the end of every row. Take one down, take one out, and everybody's going to have one. Oh, we might have to buy some Kleenex this week. That's all right, we'll buy some. Here's what I want you to do. You need to put this Kleenex somewhere in your wallet, maybe because you're crying because you wish you had some more money. I don't know. <laughs> I want you to take this with you. Let's weep in the presence of God. Let's weep for those who hurt. Let's weep for those who are in trouble. Let's weep for those who are in need. Let's weep for sin. And let's pray that God will work and move and that God will bring revival to our nation once again. There are some people who don't think it will happen. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is not through on the earth. You know why? Because you're still here.
You're still here. If he were through, we'd already be gone. But we're still here, and we're going to see God do some great and powerful things. Come on, stand with me. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray. We're going to call on the name of the Lord. But I want to ask this question before we pray. You're a great group of people. I love you. Thank God for you. I think Glad Tidings Church is the greatest church in the world. And if I didn't say that or think that, you need another pastor. But I love this church, and I love what God is getting ready to do. You know why? Because we're not going to take this laying down. We're putting hell on notice today. We're going to talk to Daddy. And I'm telling you something. When you talk to Daddy, Daddy will defend his children. Daddy will move in behalf of his children. He'll make a difference for his family. But I'm going to ask you this question today. You say, Pastor, something's not right, but I want to be right. I got to get it right with God. And today, I'm saying, Lord, I need you, and I want things to be right with you. I don't want sin to dominate my life anymore. I'm not going to ask people to close their eyes. I want you to be bold and say, that's me. It's all right. It's all right. In fact, the Word says, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. I guarantee you, when you say, yeah, that's me, God will begin to do something powerful in your life. How many of you know that? You know that God will. All right, how many of you? Come on, be honest. I, I got this thing. I got this issue, and I got to deal with it, and I want God to do it today. On three. One, two, three. Get your hand up. Where are you? Yeah, all over this place. All over this place. I want God to deal with it. I want God. Come on, lift him up. That's all right. This is when revival happens. This is when the move of God takes place. When people say, I've had it, and I'm going to let God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. How many believe that today? Come on, let's call on the name of the Lord. And all of you lifted your I'm lifting mine right there with you, Jesus. I need you to help me. All right, let's call on him. Let's cry out. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we ask right now by the power of your Spirit, that you administer to every life in this place. I pray, God, we would not be comfortable in our situation. That, Lord, we would not settle for some type of greasy grace that says we can do whatever we want. Oh, God, we want to be pure in heart. Make us pure in heart. Pour your grace out upon us. Pour your blood out upon us. Forgive us, Lord, I pray. And I ask that you would move in our nation once again. Father, I pray for every leader. I pray for every community. I pray for people who are downtrodden. I pray for people who are hurting. I pray for people who have been taken advantage of. I pray for people who are up and out and down and out. Oh, God, minister by your grace today and pour out your Holy Spirit in this land. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for the promise that there will be comfort. 
that the Holy Spirit is coming and he will do a work that we can't do. I declare a move of God in this land one more time in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as people begin to cry out to you. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you believe it, I want you to cry out to Jesus and give him praise because he's worthy of it. Come on and bless him. Come on and bless him. Come on and bless him today. Hallelujah. 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 Some of you, you might put this in your Bible. My grandmother, now you've got to understand, these were the days when we didn't have Christian bookstores in Roper. But I looked at her Bible, Kleenex were the markers in her Bible. I mean, she had a, her own pop-up dispenser right there. She had them I'm telling you, and I will tell you, you probably have a pastor today because of that lady. This hard-headed, not-headed, eight-year-old kid. That woman would pray in the Spirit behind me. My father bending over me, mourning over me, weeping over me. Don't tell me that it doesn't make a difference. You want to be happy? Start crying. That's right. Jesus said the way up is down. That's right. So if you want to be happy, you want to be consoled, you want incredible joy, begin to weep in the presence of God. I'm telling you, I see my boys up here playing guitar, and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. See, God working in somebody's life. Somebody tells me, Some, my son got saved, or my, my daughter, she's, she's coming back home. Hallelujah. I'm ready. I need a commitment from people. Pastor, I'm going to take at least 10 minutes of prayer this week. I know you pray for other things, but will you just pray for our nation and pray for people? Pray that God will just remove that spirit of violence and hate and division. And I'm telling you, well, it's their fault. Get out of here. It's sin's fault. And we need to ask God for revival. I'm telling you, you'll start loving people when God gets rid of the sin. Amen? So let's do it. Let's believe God. All right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start loving each other first. Do not leave this house until you've had loved at least or hugged about 10 people. Well, Pastor, I, I'm afraid of germs. No, these are holy germs. I promise you. All right? I need you to pray. Love one another in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have an awesome week in the Lord. Amen. Bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Glad Tidings Church podcast. For more sermons, please search for Glad Tidings Church on Podbean and iTunes. For more information regarding our church, Sunday morning services, and other groups and gatherings, please visit our website at gladtc.com.